You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Time is flying. It's Tuesday, June 23rd. I believe this is our 16th episode. The editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney, with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, you told me yesterday that this is not the only podcast that you've been doing lately. You joined the University of Kentucky this week. How was that experience? It was a lot of fun. I just had a ball talking to those guys. They, uh, Of course, their podcast is mostly about uh, the Wildcats, but they have guests on sometimes to talk about other leagues, other teams, and they reached out to me to see if I'd come on and talk Chiefs with them. I was on with him for an hour and just had a ball talking about Chiefs history. It was it was a lot of fun. Who knew that you would join a University of Kentucky podcast and spend 60 minutes with them? That's good. I you know what? Get get the name out there. I, I wouldn't mind some Kentuckians going to going to arrowheadpride.com and let's not forget Matt House fairly fairly recently was with the the staff of the University of Kentucky, if I'm remembering correctly, he was the head coach. Uh, I think he was the defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator in correct. line to be head coach, if, well, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and in fact, I was astonished that they didn't ask me about Matt House. We talked about Chiefs history going back to the beginning of the franchise, but they never asked me about Matt House, which I thought was hilarious. Not a good sign for me, John, that your memory is better than mine at this stage. I have to say. I'm not sure that's right, but we'll see. (laughs) I I do have to say uh, about that. So I've been out of the mix for a little bit, but we're back with today's show. Just want to run through what we're going to be doing today. The shows will probably be a little bit shorter over the next month and a half as news is slow. We get ready for training camp. There'll be a little bit of a news orchestration on our part. We're happy to admit that uh, we probably won't have some shows during weeks in July as we rest and recuperate and get ready for training camp, but then we'll be in full swing once the Chiefs finally do reconvene in person for training camp. On today's show, we'll discuss a Chris Jones trade potentially. I leave for four days and the entire Kansas City community is wanting to ship Chris Jones off, so good for everybody on that. We'll talk about that. Kareem Hunt, Spoke about the Chiefs yesterday. You remember him and won the rushing title as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017. In our final segment, we'll have a game for the first time. I'm introducing a game not like the games that Matt Lane brings to the table sometimes. I think this one will be constructive. It's called First In, Last Out. We'll go through the Chiefs offense really early 
sort of look at the 53-man roster as we get ready for training camp. But let's get this show on the road. As I mentioned, I was out toward the end of last week going on a, a vacation with my dad. So out of the mix, left the keys to John, and I get back and I see Chris Jones might be going to Seattle. Some people are saying Chris Jones to the Jets for Jamal Adams. John, when when all this is going on last week, all these rumors are flying, and you can understand why, because it's been radio silence when it comes to Chris Jones and the Chiefs. What was your reaction to all of these potential rumors? Well, on the Jamal Adams trade, uh, my initial reaction is, let's not get too worked up about a Jamal Adams trade when we don't know if the Jets are even interested in trading him. You know, this is a player for whom they have exercised their fifth-year option there's every bit of evidence that they want him to stay on the team, even if he's a malcontent, even if he's unhappy with the amount of money that he's being paid. So I'm a little reluctant to get too deep in the weeds on this thing. when we don't even know if there's a possibility that they're interested in trading him. Uh, They could be, but um, you know, that's, that's not an evidence as the, as they would say in the courtroom. I thought that potentially, a Super Bowl title would finally make fans not see a name, want a name. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. The trade for Jamal Adams is so preposterous from what the Chiefs have been doing this entire offseason when it comes to wanting to run it back, when it comes to wanting to maintain their roster, not make deals like we've seen in the past, potentially for like a a Dwayne Bow for an Eric Berry or a Justin Houston that you regret later. The Chiefs, when it comes to paying Patrick Mahomes potentially, just can't afford to do it. Now, a Seahawks trade, when you're getting rid of that salary and potentially getting those picks back makes a little bit more sense. We saw that come through from Fan Sided. A Seattle writer was suggesting that Chris Jones could make the money that he's probably seeking. We've said on this podcast before that he's probably seeking somewhere in that DeForest Buckner range. If you could get a first and a third rounder for Chris Jones, send him to the Seahawks. All right. Maybe I'm listening. Everything right now just seems a little far-fetched because I think as we've identified, there's nobody right now who you feel confident enough on the Chiefs to replace all that Chris Jones does for you. That's why I continue to think that he plays on this franchise tag for the one year and then you say goodbye to Jones and you wish him well. Hopefully it's in the NFC. It could be one of these guys that you root for later. Similar in a sense to what we saw with Dontari Poe, but I just... I want to pause Chiefs fans in thinking that a trade and getting back that type of compensation is likely. I just think the most likely thing here is that Jones finally agrees, all right, I'm going to play on the franchise tag. And what fans should be hoping is he reports on time because that's going to be so huge for both the Chiefs this year and for Jones in the future when he does want to move on and make his name and earn his money with what I think will be a a different team entirely. I agree. I think the most likely outcome here is that Jones plays on the franchise tag this season. And I also agree that we need to start looking at the way the Chiefs do business in a different way than we've become accustomed to. This is item 462 on things that are different now that the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl. Well, maybe it's number one of 462. We've gotten accustomed to this idea that when the 
Chiefs are in the offseason. They're looking to make some big improvement that will get them over the hump. I mean, why shouldn't we feel that way? It's been this way for 50 years. But now the Chiefs are over that hump. And now it's a question of staying there. And that's a completely different paradigm than we're accustomed to seeing. And so I think Chiefs fans need to get used to the idea that every free agent that comes along isn't automatically somebody that we ought to go after. At this point, if you believe that having a quarterback on his rookie contract who is playing way above expectations is one of the keys to being a contending team in the NFL, and there's a lot of people who believe that, then you also have to believe that when that quarterback is then after his rookie contract and making a whole lot of money, that the team's biggest priority is going to be finding a way to have inexpensive players around him. The way you do that is have a lot of draft picks. And so any move that the Chiefs make in order to bring in a free agent in exchange for draft picks is completely the wrong thing for them to do. And I agree with you that if something's going to happen with Jones where we ship him off to another team, it's going to be a deal like Seattle where we get draft picks in exchange because right now that is the most valuable thing the Chiefs are going to have in their resources. It's the New England method, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is how New England built their dynasty. You want to see a dynasty in Kansas City, you're going to have to swallow some horse-sized pills. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. Kendall Fuller, where he can go back to Washington and make $40 million. You can't pay that, but now maybe he gets you a third round or a fourth round compensatory pick. And in past years, you haven't been able to move these picks. You are in recent years. I I forget what what year it was, but now you can move these picks. So if you want to trade a a fourth round compensatory and a third round and somehow get back up into the second round, if you like a guy, there are moves you can make. Another thing that'll become important as you're trying to build this dynasty is nailing these picks because you're always going to have limited picks. That's just the way the NFL works. You have to nail your first and second rounder. Like the Chiefs would be in a tough situation if McCole Hardman and Juan Thornhill didn't prove to be really good players as they did last year. You can see that they have their best football ahead of them. That's the first key to, to being able to sustain this thing is guys on their rookie deals performing. Another thing I look at as we talk about Jones and him potentially being gone for next season is an underrated storyline for 2021 is how Derek Nottie and Colin Saunders and maybe if you mix Breland Speaks come back, these will all play a key role in how the Chiefs operate in 2021. You got to hope Colin Saunders takes a significant step forward so he's just the next guy in the pipeline maybe he can perform so well this year that says okay jones is a little bit expendable we don't have to worry about having jones for 2021 you get that compensatory pick or maybe what the chiefs end up doing is franchise tagging and moving that if the representation could come to a deal with it with another team again when you're when you're double franchising a guy that gets a little bit dicey so i think the bigger thing is you want to see one of these players behind jones perform well enough that you say okay i'm comfortable after 2020 moving on the chiefs aren't there yet and i think that's why you're seeing this really 
messy situation. The Chiefs don't have a replacement and they also don't want to pay him what he wants. So that's what you get. And you see it across the NFL right now. You see it in Dallas with Dak Prescott. It's a similar thing, but at the quarterback position, the Chiefs are fortunate that they seem to be a little bit more on the same page with their quarterback, despite this massive contract discussion, because that's obviously the most important position in the game. Want to move on to a lighter story. The ESPN ESPYs were this past weekend. And what I found funny, and this was classic Kansas City, where you say, oh my God, we have waited 50 years. John, you probably feel this deeper than anyone. We've waited 50 years to finally be the clear cut best team in sports. The Chiefs are going to take home all the ESPYs, and then the MLB has to stop. The NBA and NHL has to stop. So ESPN was in a position where they weren't going to award on the field accolades. And they ended up making a Zoom spoof, including Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, the big slick crew, Heidi Gardner. And, and here was Patrick Mahomes breaking the news. Guys, 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 Woo! I'm sorry, but uh, they actually told me that they're not giving the best team SB out this year. What? 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 You almost made me drop my rib! I almost dropped my rib, Lahomsky! Time out! No team SB. No, you're faking this out, Patrick. Like like when you do the no-look pass, or, or like when you pretend a fuzzy mohawk is a thing. Fuzzy? Ah, fuzzy? Yeah, that's, that's messed up. That's messed up. He's serious, though. He's telling the truth, guys. There's no team awards this year. Let me get us straight. The Astros! Get a best team, Espy, and we get nothing. What? Yeah, he went there. Cool, 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 cool. I guess we'll just wait for another fifty years. Is that what you want, Espy? Settle down, settle down, guys. Not every team got to finish out their season, so you got to play it fair, I guess. That's very nice to play it fair. That is the right thing to do. No! I know it's unreasonable, but this really chaps my ass. My ass is jacked! You know what? He's right! The hell with doing the right thing! I want my unicorn horn! The bright side of things, the ESPYs are honoring Coach Andy Reid this year. Oh! Hey. Big Red Baby! Right. Oh. That's cool! I'm talking hey, about the coach, huh? The coach! The coach! I like that! Alright, anyway, guys, it's great seeing you all. I'll meet you all at the ring ceremony. Yeah! yeah. I'm a size five! Hey, Pat, do you think they know they're not getting rings? Let's just log off. Really well done by ESPN. And that also led to, as they, they described in the comedy spoof, a montage for Andy Reid where the world of sports finally recognized everything that Andy Reid has put in over the past 20, 21 years to, to get to hold that Lombardi trophy uh, as a head coach, showed a lot of his Philadelphia days, even had a, a small Green Bay clip in the one minute and 30 second or whatever it was montage but i i just thought man in a a very odd year given the covid pandemic the chiefs fans were able to enjoy at least some attention here and i thought that was really well done yeah that was that was pretty funny i hadn't had a chance to stop and listen to it until this moment so those are all of my actual reactions to uh to to this kid <laughs> well they chose the right guy to be upset with with kelsey i think yes they had David Koechner playing his champ kind character from uh, what was the Anchorman series. And, and it's cool that 
Kansas City really does have this little niche group of celebrities that can kind of stand in and represent the city sort of to the rest of the world. So I thought that was a really nice touch as well. Heidi Garner, mm-hmm. of course, right. is on, on Saturday Night Live. Speaking of ESPN, ESPN named the Chiefs Super Bowl era best and worst quarterback this week. And John, you'll like this because this is what you did in your your top five rankings. They said the best quarterback right now is Len Dawson over Patrick Mahomes. I would respectfully disagree, but okay, whatever. The worst, Todd Blackledge. They also had a did-you-know fact. Mahomes, the 10th overall pick in 2017, already has the most touchdown passes by a homegrown quarterback in franchise history. That was 76, passing Mike Livingston. And then Mike Clay was able to provide some projections for Patrick Mahomes, which were... 32 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, 4,464 passing yards, and 333 fantasy points. So that's ESPN's wrap there. John, do you agree with the best and worst? Well, as long as we're talking about players who finish their careers, I don't think there's any question that it's Len Dawson. I mean, that's the only area on which you and I would disagree about this is whether it's appropriate to name Mahomes the best quarterback in franchise history yet. I would agree that after what he's done for the team, he would have the edge over Dawson. I just think it's too early to to say that. that I don't know. Here's my point on that quick. And if something drastic happened and Mahomes is like, I don't want to play football anymore today. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still think he would be the guy. I just think he was because you would have to go by what his success would have been. Like we've seen in chiefs history a little bit. And to me, I think he would still be the guy. I could understand the disagreement there. You want to see it over a longer period of time, but even a few years from now, two, three years, I think he'll surpass Len Dawson. And no disrespect to Len Dawson, we just have an otherworldly 20-something on our hands. Well, I agree. Another couple of years, then then there wouldn't be any question about it, even if he's continuing to play. But at this point, Dawson still has two AFL championships and a Super Bowl victory under his belt, which Mahomes does not. There's no way to compare the numbers that they put up. Dawson played in an entirely different kind of league with an entirely different kind of rules on defense. It's really not fair to compare his numbers to Mahomes. Being somebody who watched both of them play, uh, you know, I, I don't disagree that Mahomes is a better quarterback. It's just that it's too early to make that judgment. So we'll have to disagree on that one. But but we will agree in very short order, I think. I don't agree with the Todd Blackledge pick. I think Blackledge gets this unnecessary honor because he was always the last first-round pick for so long. To me, like maybe you saw in, I don't know if it was mean girls or miscongeniality where you you take the crown and you throw it out to the crowd in different pieces. <laughs> My award for worst goes to Brody Croyle, Tyler Thigpen, Damon Heward, Matt Castle, Brady Quinn. That whole period between Trent Green and Alex, that's my award for, for worst chief starter. I think you could make a case for Mark Vlasic being the worst that's a name. Um, that's a name. That's digging. That that is that is yeah. far <laughs> far before my time as a a Chiefs guy in Kansas City. But I, I think Brody Croyle ought to be in that conversation. I'd certainly agree with that. And I agree 
that Blackledge gets too much of a bad rap because of the circumstances under which he was drafted. That if he had been drafted in some year besides the year that Dan Marino was available, I think he would have a better reputation among Chiefs fans. That that all gets mixed up together, and he doesn't really get the credit he deserves. The guy was really a pretty good quarterback, and he also had to platoon with Bill Kenny for a period of time too, which was crazy. That was just crazy. I don't know what they were thinking. When it comes to Clay's projection for Mahomes 32 and 10, Mike, you never learn every year. And I understand Mahomes <laughs> was injured last year. Here's the deal with Mahomes and betting Mahomes. If you're not betting the over, don't bet. Don't bet. If you really think he's going to be under, I think you got to reevaluate your thought process here to me. I think as long as he's healthy for 16 games, he gets 32 touchdowns in his sleep. I understand that maybe you're starting to see a few less touchdowns because as we learned on the shop, he was playing a little bit more of backyard ball as a rookie when he didn't really know what he was doing. And maybe that led to more touchdowns. And you can make a case now that he has a, a true check down option in Clyde Edwards Alaire. Maybe there's a little bit more method to his play. Maybe the Chiefs are being a little bit shrewder about how to really milk out a win. So maybe it's a little bit less than what I've seen out there, the 50 touchdowns. But 32? This is Patrick Mahomes. How many years, Mr. Mike Clay, will it take for you to maybe benchmark this at 39, 40, 41? I think you got to do that every year for Patrick Mahomes. I agree with that. And I also want to point out that just because the Chiefs might have a check down option in Edwards Hilaire that that doesn't mean necessarily that Patrick Mahomes will have fewer touchdown passes. He can throw a touchdown pass out of the backfield from the 20 yard line. You know, it might be that there will be fewer long touchdown passes. There's a lot of things that could happen, but I don't think it necessarily reduces the number of, of touchdown passes that Mahomes throws because we have this new rookie running back on the team. I don't know that that really is, is, is a valid argument. Yeah. I just, I think the way that he was playing between 18 and 19, it just was a different fashion where I agree. The chiefs really didn't have an option when it was his first year as a starter necessarily to do everything that Andy Reid wanted to do. I mean, maybe there's a, a bunch of plays that says, all right, we got, a two, three score lead. I don't know if that was really an option when he was a rookie and they just kept on scoring and scoring and scoring. What I did like toward the end of last year, which I hadn't seen from Reed really at the beginning of his tenure in Kansas City is this stone cold feeling that you were going to step on an opposing team's throat. So maybe I'm completely wrong here. I think you finally did see that last year. Maybe it was a product of the quarterback. I don't, I don't know if Alex Smith and I love Alex Smith, was, was that guy who was going to necessarily go out there and say, all right, we're winning by six. Let's make it 13, 14 points right here in the fourth quarter. So the more scoring, the better. This is a scoring league. It, it, it really seems like almost to a, a maddening standpoint with Reed, sometimes you're like, why is Patrick still out there? The Chiefs are of 21 and there's five minutes to go in this game. But you can understand there's been times in Kansas City when Reed has regretted taking his foot off the gas pedal. So where we agree right here is, is 32 touchdown passes is, is too low. Mitch Schwartz, 
appeared on the Ryan Russillo podcast recently for pretty lengthy conversation. Mitch Schwartz is always a good quote. He's one of the better right tackles, if not the best right tackles in the league. And here were his comments on when the Chiefs celebrated after their Super Bowl title win. It's almost a sense of relief in a a weird way, just because, you know, we went that far. Um, You know, I remember sitting there in the fourth quarter, we're down 10, just thinking like, man, this would suck if we don't win. I mean, you you go this far, you play all these extra games, you do all this stuff the couple weeks before the Super Bowl, and, you know, to show up and lose a game that's that important, uh, I was just like, this is going to be terrible. So we ended up winning. So there's definitely like that relief of, Hey, we did it. Um, then it turned to excitement and you're just uh, happy to be together. I mean, my honestly biggest memory is being on the bus after the game, going back to the hotel and, you know, players, coaches, all singing together, all happy. Uh, you know, usually we're pretty respectful and, and keep it quiet. Um, <laughs> not on that bus. Uh, you know, so it's just, really special moment to be able to celebrate you know the weird thing about the super bowl is we didn't really get together as a team in the locker room after the game because there's so much going on yeah i know there's uh you know first you do all the stuff on stage and then there's 400 media people that somehow get access to the field so you get pulled in all these different directions um you're doing interviews after and then from there you go to the media tent and there's you know the tent set up for you know 10 or 12 guys. And so people are being pulled in every single direction that there's no singular point where just like, all right, the whole team's going to get back to the locker room at X time and we're going to see each other and, you know, be all together. Uh, So that bus ride back was kind of that moment for me where you were really able to, you know, kind of celebrate together with, um, you know, some of the players, some of the coaches. And um, I think that's, you know, going to be kind of the overriding feeling for me is just remembering that moment. John, you wrote this up for OurHeadPride.com. It was, again, it looked like a 20 to 30 minute interview. Why did you pick this quote in particular to go with your lead? Well, because it was yet again, another example of what we're not accustomed to seeing. When a team has a big win in the regular season or in any other game of the postseason, for that matter, one of the things we look forward to seeing is what the head coach says to his team when they assemble together in the locker room, when they come off the field. That's always an important moment. It's a moment we want to see. We want to see the players celebrating together as they, you know, take off their jerseys and, you know, some of them are half-dressed. It's part of what we watch, what we want to see when we see the game. And in the Super Bowl, that doesn't happen. And I thought that was a real interesting aspect of it because, We haven't been to the Super Bowl to find that out. I brought this up when I talked with the guys from the UK podcast the other day. There is nobody in the Chiefs organization. There's nobody in the media. There are very few fans who were adults when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 1970. We don't know what this looks like. We didn't know what it was going to look like when we went in. And we're still figuring out all the stuff that's different coming out. And to me, that was the most fascinating part of what Schwartz talked about was you get to the pinnacle of achievement and you don't get to do the thing that you normally do at the end of the game is to hug your teammates and hug the head coach and have that moment where you can all be together and celebrate it. Instead, you're on a bus ride back to the hotel before you get an opportunity to do that. And that was, to me, a a very compelling part of the interview. I remember in Miami with the Super Bowl, 
It was my first Super Bowl. I had talked to somebody, though, who had been to plenty of Super Bowls. And what he told me, and he actually called it the Uber Bowl, meaning that Miami, it felt like, was transportation-wise, logistic-wise, organization-wise, a complete mess. So there is a chance, and I was a rookie here covering my first Super Bowl, where maybe in other cities, it's a little bit better where the team does have that opportunity to unwind. Miami was a mess. I'm interested in seeing if this is a similar thing when the Chiefs play the Bucks down in Tampa for uh, the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not that we're making any predictions title. or anything. No. <laughs> you know, speaking of predictions, you wonder what the Super Bowl really does look like logistically next year. Will there be media at the game? Will there be fans at the game? Will there be any game? I don't know if we even know for sure right now if there will be a Super Bowl next year. The NFL is fortunate in the fact that they can watch some of these other leagues. I mean, we see plans for the NHL and the NBA to return. It's, it's a little bit different when it comes to sports, the MLB. You're seeing problems with folks in college football already contracting the coronavirus. You're seeing problems in women's soccer where a team had to pull out of their return tournament. The NFL is fortunate because this happened at the perfect time. If a pandemic was ever going to happen, for it to happen, you know, a couple weeks after the Super Bowl, couldn't have worked out better for the league that was already number one. And so you probably have these other leagues like Adam Silver saying, are you kidding me? This had to happen to us and the NFL is just going to get out scot-free. Remains to be seen. I, I think we're going to see some different training camp plans and we'll see how that eventually carries over to the Super Bowl months and months from now. But Miami was a mess. You can understand why the bus ride and getting back to the hotel. Apparently there was a big party at the hotel. That's why Patrick Mahomes didn't sleep and Andy Reid didn't sleep mm -hmm. at that press conference the next day. And no sleep in Disney World with that sun beating. That could not have been... <laughs> you put on a good face, but that could not have been an enjoyable experience having been to Disney World. So yes, uh, I, I look forward to seeing what the Super Bowl in Tampa does look like. Coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Kareem Hunt finally says that he's over the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes could be bringing something really significant that's non-football related to Kansas City. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Pete Sweeney, John Dixon talking about some of this off-season dead period Chiefs news. And one of the things that comes through during this dead period time is news of former players. And Kareem Hunt spoke to the Cleveland Browns media yesterday via conference call. And he was asked about the Kansas City Chiefs finally getting it done as former teammates winning Super Bowl LIV. No, nah, I've been moved on from that. But, uh, I, you know, I, I love those guys. I got brothers on that team. You know, I came in with a lot of those players. You know, love the coaches there. You know, they're all, all good people, and they deserve it. And I'm happy for them. You know, I talked to a lot of them, and I'm very happy for them. They chance. They deserve it. I know how hard that team works and, you know, how hard – you know, they stress to be great. So he can only look forward at this point. The Chiefs, I think, made it clear, despite Hunt due to become an unrestricted free agent next offseason, I think that was always a pipe dream. The Chiefs sort of made it official that there's no interest by drafting their running back at number 32 this past year. I think Hunt 
is treating it the right way. He's at home. He's going to focus on trying to win in Cleveland this year. And then really he'll have his pick as long as he stays out of trouble, which we don't know. He's shown a pattern here. He, he did have a traffic stop last year. That was a little bit questionable. I think everybody in Kansas City right now, though, is rooting for him as long as he's not playing the Chiefs. I think this is one of these guys that you hope figures it out. Really talented young player here. And this, to me, was a sign of finally both parties saying, okay, this is over. This is in the past. Kareem Hunt on OurHeadPride.com has been put to rest. I thought your take on it in the article you wrote about this interview was exactly right, that everybody's moving on. It's time for all of us to put it in the past and not have pipe dreams about it anymore. The Chiefs have made their decision to bring another talented rookie running back in, and it's just time for us to move on. But I think you're right that the Chiefs fans will always hold Hunt in high esteem for what he did on the field. And I think it's appropriate to root for this young man to succeed, and I hope he does too. He was terrific in a Chiefs uniform, and let's hope he can be so elsewhere. I was doing this article yesterday, and I, of course, know the Kareem Hunt story really well. And what jumped out to me was just compiling his yards from scrimmage numbers in simply 27 games. 27 games. 2,984 yards from scrimmage. Jeez. I mean, that is an incredible eye-popping number. And it's a real shame that it didn't work out for him in Kansas City. I'm sure there is still some regret there. There'll always be some deep regret there because we've heard players and players and personnel and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. It's really hard to make it to the Super Bowl. Some guys never even go. And we've talked about that a number of times in the past when the Chiefs were always in this uphill battle to get back there for the first time since 1969. You hope and it, and not at the expense of the Chiefs that one day he's able to experience that. I thought this was the story of the week. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> has found a way. I and I shouldn't have doubted him like Mike Clay. I should not have doubted him, but he's found a way to potentially bring a what a burger to Kansas City for someone that loves Whataburger. Let's let's try to put ourselves in that shoe because there's a lot of debate about burgers. But let's let's take someone who loves Whataburger. Where would this rank if you're a Chiefs fan who loves Whataburger on the list of Mahomes' accomplishments? This would be, I think, even everything that he's done, I, I'd imagine that this would have to be top five. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, probably if you're a Whataburger fan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's like they say, all politics is local. Fandom is often defined by things that don't happen on the field. And if you're one of the people who considers Whataburger the bomb, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, then I could see how you would consider this to be an incredible achievement for Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I get it. Now, I want to be clear here. Whataburger's okay for me. I'm not a huge Whataburger guy, but I know people love it. And I know Patrick Mahomes loves it. And I know that he loves the ketchup. I hope that this doesn't impede him from another Titans touchdown run when the Chiefs need it. When it finally does land in Kansas City, the expected Whataburger is to be in, in Lee's Summit, Missouri. And so I think that'll be right, at least in driving distance of, of from where, where Mahomes is, is located. But putting myself in a Whataburger fans, super fans shoes, I'd have to go... Super Bowl win, Super Bowl MVP, 
MVP. And I think the burger goes over the 50 burger. I'd put it number four, I think. <laughs> number four top accomplishment for Patrick Mahomes. By the way, the best burger that I've ever had was at this place when I was just out of college working in Montana in baseball. It was called the Missoula Burger or Missoula Room or something like that in Missoula, Montana. Top burger for me. Westport Flea Market in Kansas City has been awesome. And then as far as like the fast food, I think you already got the best burger place in Kansas City in Shake Shack when it comes to those chains. I think Shake Shack is better than In-N-Out. Sorry to you West Coast fans. What a burger. It's all right. I like the spicy ketchup because I like spicy food, but these are my hot burger takes, John. I'll give you the floor. Do you have any, any, any hot burger takes? Well, I agree that West, Westport Flea Market is a really good burger. Five Guys is really good. I, I personally don't have a big favorite. I never had a Whataburger until I think it was three years ago. We were making a trip to Texas and we kept seeing the billboards as we were passing through Oklahoma. And we decided that we would, well, we, 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 we need to stop. We need to go to a Whataburger and, and try one of these things out. And so we got on the GPS unit and located a Whataburger that was ahead of us and adjusted our route to take us there. And I'll never forget it. This has become an inside joke in my family that when we turned off the highway and went down the, the street where, to where the Whataburger was, the GPS announced, Watabajur ahead on the right. <laughs> so Gotta get us, smarter. They just yeah. had, the, they had the Apple conference yesterday. <laughs> Siri, you got to get smarter. <laughs> but the food was actually pretty good. And I've, we've stopped at uh, Whataburger a few times since then. And I have no problem with it. I, I think it's a good burger. But I don't know if I would put it on the best that I've ever had. But, you know, this is all opinion. You know, people are entitled to have their own hot food takes. And people who want to think that Whataburger is the best ever, you got no argument from me. I wanted to give people in the Montana area, the Missoula area, the right name. So I looked it up quickly. It's the Missoula Club. That's where I've had my best burger. Oh, okay. I haven't, ha haven't had a chance to have it since because you got to take a really small plane into Missoula. And I've had no reason to go back, as you'd imagine, <coughs> working in the NFL. But man, I hope I make it back someday. A little whitewater rafting and a Missoula Club cheeseburger. So some really good news leads into, I think, some grim news. The NFLPA has discontinued private workouts or really recommended that mm. players discontinue private workouts without coaches. This is something that Patrick Mahomes has done in the offseason ever since he became a starter. Rounds up. Garrick Dieter is always, is always there. You know that. And he also rounds up his other receivers and tight ends and gets on a high school field. There's been videos from Billy Quatch of Let It Fly Media, who has put some of these out of, of them already doing it this offseason. We've had Harrison Butker told me that the holder battle has already started at the high school fields in Kansas City. But the NFLPA, with all these coronavirus outbreaks that you're seeing with different teams, the Texas teams are one of them. The Buccaneers are another that, hey, everyone relax, let's chill because there could be a second wave of this thing. We don't want this to impact the start of play, which right now for the Chiefs is due for training camp July 25th. Yeah, the, I thought the most uh, disturbing part of the, uh, the outbreaks that we've seen isn't that there were multiple players from the Texans and the Cowboys down in Texas but that there was a confirmed COVID case among the 49ers players that were practicing together in Nashville. 
that was real disturbing to me because it suggested that there was a possibility that players getting together could be risky to them because the because of the nature of playing football. And I think this is what prompted the NFLPA to make this recommendation, which let's be clear is just a recommendation. There's no rule that says that players can't uh, go ahead and get together if they wish, but it does not bode well for the start of training camp to see so many positive cases among NFL players. I think you're definitely looking at two preseason games and not four. I think that ship has sailed despite Mm -hmm. it not necessarily being official. I think you may be even looking at less or maybe one before the year if you try to still start the year. I think what's interesting now is you start to look at that regular season schedule where we had mentioned where's the flexibility here. Well, they can take those first four weeks and, and, and put them at the end. So who knows? Uh, it is a fluid situation and it isn't one of those things where Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport know and us local guys don't know. No, I don't, I don't think the NFL decision makers, I don't think Roger Goodell know. I think it's one of these things where people are just going to sit, watch, learn how these other leagues operate, see if it works, and then make a decision. What will be really bad is if the NHL and the NBA don't work and that they, they have to seize because if they seize, we are looking at a, at a season in jeopardy because you've already started to see rumblings of that from the Anthony Fauci's of, of the world. So baseball and, and basketball and hockey, I think are going to be the sports to monitor as the NFL figures out what to do here. But as yet, none of those leagues have started. Right. We're not seeing those those leagues play because they're still arguing about how they're going to do it. Well, the NBA, I, the NBA and NHL, they pretty much seem like they're going to happen. The MLB, I don't know. Yeah, what, I don't know, I don't know what they're guys. doing. Yeah. I do not know what they're doing. Football is actually doing better with no games or activity right now than the MLB is doing because they're staying out of the news in a, in a negative light. So there you go. That's... I think where we're at when it comes to the NFL and the Chiefs. When we come back, our very first game on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're going to call it Last Man In, First Man Out. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, it is the dead of the offseason, the dog days, if you will. So what I decided to do is make content out of a game I thought of in my head. You know March Madness, the thing we didn't have this year where they decide, okay, who are the last four teams in the tournament and who were the first four out? Why not do that with Chiefs positions? We're going to start with the offense today. And if we like the game, we'll move on to the defense. So let's start at the quarterback position. John, I'll let you go first for quarterbacks. Who is your last one in first man out? First man out would have to be Shea Patterson. I don't think there's much question about that. And uh, Jordan Ta'amu would be the guy that uh, ends up on the practice squad. I expect the Chiefs to have two guys on the active roster at quarterback this season, just as they have in past years. Yeah, I, I thought this was an interesting position. The Chiefs have went from three quarterbacks on the active roster to two over the past few years. Where it gets dicey, and maybe they're fortunate in the fact that there are less preseason games, is Ta'amu could play to a certain extent, of highlights where a team could grab him as their backup or third quarterback if he is on the practice squad. And so that is my mini hot take, I think, at the quarterback position. I do think Chad Henney is your backup. I don't think there, that is any question. 
but I actually think the Chiefs keep four quarterbacks this year. So I agree with you. I think the last one in is to Amu, but on the active roster. And I think Patterson ends up on the practice squad so long as he's not one of these quarterbacks we see in training camp. Sorry, Tyler. Tyler Bray comes to mind where it's just an absolute disaster and it's not even worth a practice squad spot. So that's my call right now, I think. And, and, and to me, Ta'amu is just a really interesting player because I watch him on film and he has some Patrick Mahomes vibes. So I think this could be your at least backup of the future where maybe you move on from Chad Henney if you feel that Ta'amu could be ready. And then you don't have to completely shift the game plan. I mean, we saw last year the Chiefs had to completely change from Mahomes to Moore. And Andy Reid's a wizard. They were able to go one and one in those games, two and one if you count the Denver Broncos and, and working on the fly. But Ta'amu would just be closer to what Mahomes does. Interesting player for me to watch. And because of that, I think the Chiefs try and protect him. We are so early here, and that'll be a theme of this game as well. Offensive line, the Chiefs have kept a number of different numbers over the past few years, 9 and 10 and 11. This is actually a tighter room upon closer look than I think we realized. I think if Daryl Williams, the undrafted free agent we like out of Mississippi State, makes the roster, and I think he's got a real chance, the numbers will be, will be super close. I like Williams on the tape. I like his attitude. I think the Chiefs think he may be what we call an AP, a lottery ticket to push Austin Ryder at center. So I think he makes it. My first one out is Ryan Hunter, the other Canadian offensive lineman who has been with the team for a while. I just think for Hunter, he had an opportunity at one point in the mini camps to be a starter. He's one of these guys that's not only a fringe player to make the roster, but eventually you realize, all right, maybe he's really just a fringe NFL talent. And I, I think the Chiefs, you know, go the, along their merry way. We saw that with uh, Khalil McKenzie a little bit sooner in his trajectory where they said, you know what, maybe we, we were wrong about this guy. And, and Ryan Hunter actually had, had a few chances already. So I, I just think he's the first one out here. I agree. I, I, that's the player I would pick as the first one out as well. They've got several guys that have experience. Martinez Rankin, uh, Greg Sanat, these guys, uh, I think, have a good chance to stick on the roster this season. And, of course, we've got Niang, who I think will also make the roster this season. The Chiefs are, are actually in, in good shape, I think, on offensive line when it comes to depth. So you move on from, from Cam Irving, and I, I feel like you have a lot of good options there, especially with Martinez Rankin back in the mix. Uh, who is another interesting player at, at that position. All right, John, you can go for running back. Oh, man, this one is tough. This one is really tough. And, and part of the trouble is, is that you have to decide where you're going to put a guy like John Lovett, whether you're going to list him as a fullback or a tight end. You have to figure out whether Anthony Sherman is in that mix. If we keep him as a running back, as you know, as part of that that. Let's as part of that group. Let's consider, let's take, let's take Sherman out of it. And I have a note for love it around tight ends. So let's just go with the pure running backs here on, okay. on this category. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Well, the team has six right now. And I think the first guy out has to be McGuire just because he's such an unknown. I think it's going to be very difficult to choose between Washington Thompson and Daryl Williams. I just think that that's going to be a tough choice for the Chiefs, and I wouldn't I wouldn't presume to guess how they're going to do that. 
Yeah, here's where I'm at on running back. My last one in is Darwin Thompson. Running back is a position that's odd for Kansas City because they've kept random numbers almost seemingly every year. So there's really mm-hmm. no pattern for Andy Reid. He sort of just keeps the talent he thinks he has. So I have them keeping four because I just think the room is really good this year. So again, the last one in is Darwin Thompson. I think the Chiefs like DeAndre Washington as a more polished back than they do Thompson. I actually think they like Washington so much. It could be trouble for Damian Williams, but that is another story. I'm not opening up that Pandora's box. So let's call Daryl Williams the last one out as of this morning. Too much talent on the team. I think generally to keep more than four running backs. I think Daryl gets a job elsewhere as long as he gets some tape. That's going to be huge for some of these fringe guys if they want to end up with other teams. You, you want to put some tape. One common thing that you hear coaches always say during training camp is, you're not only working out for us, you're working out for all 32 teams. Well, the 32 teams can't see you unless you have these two preseason games. So we'll see if Daryl Williams can get some tape again. What you've seen in past years is that fourth preseason game is really important for guys that you may want to trade or who may not make it. So my last one in, Darwin Thompson, first one out, Daryl Williams. And and I like Daryl Williams. I hope he makes uh, another roster. Wide receiver. This feels like now or never time for the quarterback's best friend, Garrett Dieter. I think he's the first one out again. I don't know how many times you put the morale guy on the practice squad. We'll see if the Chiefs do it again. If if he is eligible, I'm not even sure if he would necessarily be eligible. I think with, he, with adjusted rules, he is, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he would be. They could keep him on there. Here's my hot take at wide receiver right now. I have a few hot takes mixed in here. I think Robinson and Pringle wind up being closer than the general population may realize right now. And so they almost, to me, tie for the last one. And I think they'll both be on the team, but I could see in this imaginary depth chart that Andy Reid will never reveal to us when we ask him at the press conferences. I think Pringle may have an opportunity to edge Robinson because Robinson has been in some big spots and he's made some big catches, especially at the beginning of last year. But what sticks with me are those drops in the playoffs. And I remember that Lions game, the Chiefs really needed Pringle and who got rocked and he ca- caught that pass, and they were able to win that game. And, and when you look at the Super Bowl season, you think of everything. I like Pringle and what he's able to do. I think the Chiefs keep five wide receivers. So, again, they're, they're kind of, for me right now, before I even see any training camp at all, I just think they're right close in that mix there. I think you're making a good point about Robinson. And Robinson is making enough money on his veteran salary benefit contract that he could actually be a cap casualty. Right. If things get really tight for the Chiefs, they might have to make a decision on Robinson that's based as much about how much he's making. Even though he's on a VSB contract, it's the type where he can actually get paid real money. <laughs> and uh, the Chiefs could save some some money by releasing him close to the to the deadline. I think on that basis, Pringle might have the edge. I also think we need to pay attention to Baselia, I think his name is. Andre uh, Baselia, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he had some pretty impressive tape, I thought, at the college level. And he would be a good fit for the team. But whether he could beat out a guy like Pringle is another question altogether. I don't know. Yeah, Andy Reid is sort of... I think proven to me time and time again that the wide receiver position, as sexy as a guy looks in, in training camp, and, and sometimes you want to 
throw him on your 53 to be a little bit spicy. He, it just <laughs> hardly ever works out. You know, when it comes down to it, he, he does keep these, these guys who have some tape where I see some of these undrafted free aging guys and you're right. There are a few of them. I mean, they could push to make the practice squad and then you're building your depth practice squad to me, put guys who you like on there, who you're not really afraid of getting plucked other than Dieter. I don't think you got to worry about anyone. And I don't even think you have to worry about Dieter if you want to throw him on the practice squad again. It really does come down to, is the undrafted free agent talent? Is the guy off the street talent good enough to say, Dieter, we just don't have a spot for you anymore in the 90. And I think that's really the most drama that you'll see at the wide receiver position. John, let's go to tight end. The Chiefs ended up keeping three last year. And for argument's sake, let, let's say that if you're going to keep Lovett, he's a tight end. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that may not be the position he ends up playing, but that's what he'll be. I think they've listed him as a fullback presently. Right. But So we'll have to argue about where he fits he's, in the scheme. He's, he's worked with, with different units at practices mm-hmm. that we've seen at training camp. Tight end is, is, is one that I thought was more common, if I'm remembering correctly, than the others. So that's why I have him here. But what do, you, what are your, what, what do you think it, it happens at the tight end position? Well, I think that Kaiser is gone. I think it's going to be Kelsey, Seals, Jones, and Lovett. I think that they figure out a way to keep Lovett because they like him, because they see him as a guy that could be a fullback that they don't have to carry on the roster in the running back room, but that can also play tight end behind Kelsey and Seals Jones. Tight end is interesting to me. I, you know, if you heard me on the radio last year, probably to nauseam, I, I really get interested in the backup tight ends because I, I know how much Andy Reid likes the two tight end sets. I think they keep two this year and love it, who we already mentioned. By the way, love it. If you guys are in these deep dynasty fantasy leagues and you have a last pick, might be worth a pick on Andy Reid's Taysom Hill. And that I think is what love it is that nobody really knows about, especially if you're playing with guys not from Kansas City. That leaves Yelder or Seals Jones. And when I think you break it down like that, this may be as close a battle as like the end of that running back room. I think they're so close. Seals Jones, because of, of the name and him being new, will be the sexy pick. But I, I think I like Yelder here. I think he, he seems, I follow the social media because we have to. That's, that's one of the job requirements, I think, to be with Arrowhead Pride. He, he's working every day, it seems like. Of course, there are workouts that, that happen not on Instagram, so not to kill Seals Jones here, but I like Yelder. I like that he has experience with the team already. I think Seals Jones, like Darrell Williams, is a guy that ends up elsewhere. And sometimes the hope here too, John, as we talked about draft picks at, at the front of the show, is, is sometimes you hope you end up with a guy like Carlos Hyde, who you brought in, and say, you know what? He's good enough to be on a roster. Maybe some other team will like him. And if you have the preseason games, like we mentioned with Daryl Williams, you, you you throw Seals Jones out there or Yelder, if we're going by, by, by your case, and you're able to move one of these guys for a late pick, and that's just one more draft pick, one more draft pick, one more draft pick, hmm. that you're able to build the depth of this roster for really cheap. Yeah, even though our, our picks are a little different, I, I agree with your analysis. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of this that's, especially at this point, so open to urban interpretation. We, you know, normally if we were having this conversation in mid-June, we would have had some looks at players and OTAs and we'd have an idea of which players are working with which position groups, et cetera. We don't have any of that information. We are really shooting in the dark on this deal. So I, I think that anybody's take is as good as anybody else's really. 
We also have fullback, and to me, it's just Anthony Sherman. He'll be back on the team. Yeah. For, for some reason, the Chiefs just love to have that option, and you, you can make a case that maybe they don't need it with a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I, I thought that Sherman was really important for someone more so like Jamal Charles, who is, I think, closer to a true running back than what's become this weapon-based NFL. But Sherman and whatever he dresses as this year, I don't even want to know that he'll 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 be on the team and and that'll round up I think your offensive last man in first man out so last man in at fullback is Shermanator first man out is nobody because he has no competition as it stands except uh, for Lovett right if you're considering him a fullback but right. Lovett is in his own position which to me almost guarantees that that he makes the roster unless he just doesn't show enough off of that injury for Andy Reid to merit that and, and trying to stash him maybe for another year of development on the practice squad. I would put it this way. If Lovett makes the roster and actually is able to make some kind of an impact, especially on special teams in 2020, then that might be the end of Sherman on the active roster. Right. But he could be a guy that the Chiefs would keep on the practice squad so that they can use him if they need him. Under the new rules that allow you to have players of any kind, at least a couple of them, on the practice squad, I could see Sherman sticking with the team for quite a while. I just think he's one of these guys, too, on special teams, like a Frank Zombo, who just matters so much from a leadership standpoint, who's going to get the most out of the guys on special teams because he'll get in your face and yell at you if you don't have effort. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's some added value there. When it comes to, to love it, in honor of Father's Day, I'll say a dad joke, and I love it. I love your takes on it right there. How about that? So happy Father's Day to all the Chiefs fans, fathers out there. We're going to wrap up the show, but I want to read this in the ratings. We ask you to rate the show every time. Five stars is nice. When will Mr. Pro Football talk? Hollywood Hops, who's of course Craig. Next autograph signing B. Also, how can Arrowhead Pride afford to keep him? Any chance he gives a hometown discount or give him Pete's job? I mean, we've already asked him to take a hometown discount. So we're just going to go ahead and whenever he wants to leave, we'll just give him my job and I'll just ride off into the sunset. So uh, that's to answer your question in the reviews. I mean, Craig Stout is just too valuable to even consider losing uh, in, at ourheadpride.com. Hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope you enjoyed everything that we were able to do today. Went through a lot of news. I thought we were able to make a show out of what's really a dead period. You can catch John on Twitter at Arrowheadphones. I'm at PG Sween. We, of course, are all at Arrowhead Pride. Keep it locked in. Arrowheadpride.com for all your Chiefs news and notes. We'll see you Thursday for another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.